This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Welcome to all of our LAC Online Church folk and guests and visitors, wherever you may be watching from. Let me join with Pastor Dustin, uh, who earlier you to say thank you for taking the time to come and and uh, be a part of this. I really believe this is a special day, and I hope that uh, your hearts are ready and they're already receiving what God has uh, in store for you uh, today. This has been an especially sad week for our LEC family with the passing of our beloved Mel Carter. And there will be a, a remembrance, a celebration of life for her here in our facility. Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, the public is invited at 5 for a viewing and then a memorial service uh, beginning at 6. Uh, we are obviously restricted in our attendance to a maximum number and so therefore the family has requested that uh, the service be live streamed and so it will be live streamed through all of our normal uh, channels and we appreciate our production team doing that. Uh, on behalf of the family and I hope that you will find whatever's comfortable for you and your family to be involved. You know, death is such an enemy and it's so awkward for us. I was thinking about this uh, just this week. I'm so very proud of our LEC family and how we have responded, the way our elders have led, the way that our staff has responded, the way uh, that volunteers have stepped up to care for Jerome and Jamila and Jamila and the family and I'm so very grateful for all of that there's a lot of things that we do to try to accommodate our feelings food and hugs and flowers and all the things that we try to do and uh, it, it sometimes you wonder if it's enough but I know that the Carters know that we love them and we look forward to our time uh, with them on a Tuesday appropriate this morning that we are looking today at the word peace as a part of our series on overwhelmed we're we're going through the month of January looking at what it means to be overwhelmed and what that feels like and last week if you remember we talked about Peter and we talked about what we said were the worst moments of his life Sometimes in the worst moments, we find out the things about ourselves that we, we really need to know. Sometimes to the surface come those things that truly are who we are. And it's our reactions that are more a true picture of who we are than our actions. Because in that reaction is the real person of who we are and how easy it is to get overwhelmed in those circumstances. And this morning... I have been especially drawn to this concept of peace. I want to talk a little bit about why we need peace. Because we live in an atmosphere of extraordinary fear. We're coming up on the one year anniversary of the outbreak of the COVID virus in our country. And as I reflected on this, I thought about how much fear has come into this world as a result of this virus. How much fear we have allowed. 
to infiltrate our spirits and our hearts, our country, our relationships. So much of it dominated by the fear. I made, I made a little list. As you know, I'm a list person, but I, I, talk, I thought about the uncertainty that we feel every day whether or not we might be a carrier of the virus. The careful precautions that we undertake every day to make sure that we are protecting ourselves and others. We, we've spent a good bit of money here just at our own church trying to create a safe environment. The concerns that you might have or you may deal with about whether you are unknowingly a danger to other people. This was evidence to me a few days ago. I went down to Walmart to pick up a few things for our family. And I ran into one of the precious senior ladies of our church. And what would normally have been like a homecoming was the most awkward physical interaction that I've ever had. Because neither one of us knew what to do. We didn't know whether we were supposed to hug each other, stand close, whatever. It's that, that, that uncertainty, that unsettled feeling that's in the air. The unrest that we have with a health crisis that is literally grinding the world into the ground which has led to the dismay that we feel about institutions that we, we once trusted that we thought could take care of us and now we realize they can't keep us protected. That wasn't enough I thought about. I read this past week that in our own sister city of Cleveland in the year 2020 there were 133 fatal shootings. And Cleveland's not even the leader, but all over our country there is unrest. It brings fear. And so I just pinned this at the bottom. I said, it feels like as a society we are on the brink of an emotional breakdown. We need peace. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for what you're about to do. I just sense in my heart such a holiness and sacredness to this moment. I know that I am literally distanced from the people that I'm speaking to today. But God, I believe that in every place where this broadcast is being viewed and listened to or will be, that there is a divine intent to what is about to take place. That you're about to say something to somebody. Somebody's about to hear something that they need to hear. Something that you've intended for them. Something they've been searching for and waiting for. And now is that moment that you're about to say something. Let's be listening, God. Counteract the distractions in our minds and our hearts right now that we can hear what you're about to say. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I think we all can agree that we need peace, don't we? Both individually and corporately. But here's the question. What kind of peace? What kind of peace do we need? And is all peace the same? When we say peace, are we all talking about the same kind of peace? So for just a second, just a few seconds here, I want to break peace down into the three kinds of levels that I see it. This may not be the way you see it, but it's the way I see it. The kind of peace that we need. On one level, I think sometimes we need peace that frees us from the drama and the crazy. Can anybody agree with that? When the kids are loud and unruly, when the house is full, work is crazy, people are getting on your last nerve. I bought Shelly a t-shirt for Christmas that says, when the virus is over, there are still a few of you that I'm asking to stay away. I think sometimes... Sometimes I just need to put my noise-canceling headphones in my ears because I need separation from people who claim they don't like drama, but they seem to live right in the middle of it. And it's like an aura that follows them into the room. We need peace from the drama and the crazy. Not only that, we need peace that helps us to overcome our ongoing anxiety about things that are going on in life. It's very real that we worry, will we have enough money to pay our bills? Can we keep our children safe? Are we making the right decisions about family, marriage, and career? Sometimes I feel like we all live in a constant, low-level state of ongoing anxiousness. And so we need peace from that. Sometimes our need for peace is from the crippling fear of anxiety that resides in the deepest parts of our soul. It's like we feel trapped in an emotional jail because no matter how hard we try, we cannot get away from the anxious thoughts that reside in our head. And we, we try to get away from them, but they stay with us and we're crippled by that. We're crippled by the anxiety that makes it difficult for us to get out of bed. It makes us difficult to go about our daily life because we can't get the anxious thoughts out. My son Jason, who pastors in Louisville, Kentucky, wrote a powerful devotion this week. And I copied it to our social media sites. But there's a paragraph in there that I want to read to you. He writes, fear is powerful because anything is possible. Like a lousy weatherman, it doesn't matter how many times you've been wrong before, you could be right this time. But you're giving fear far too much credit, he writes. Most of the things that you and I are afraid of never happen. Let that sink in. Most fear is fake. You say, well, that sounds good for you and your big-time preacher boy, son, but you don't know what's going on in my life, and you're right. I didn't come here this morning to say that I understand what it's like to live in your skin, but I would remind you that sometimes we are afraid of things that never happen. And we're consumed by that kind of fear. 
And I want to encourage you, just like I did last week, that there is hope in God's Word. We read this last week, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. I think they'll have it on the screen for you as well. But in Matthew chapter 11, this is what Jesus said, beginning with verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary. And carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give is light. There's such hope in those words. For those of you that are battling fear, for those of us that are struggling with anxiety, Jesus says we can come and we can rest in Him and we can bear our burdens to Him. So for a few seconds, just a few moments here, I want to lift up to you two verses of Scripture, two passages of Scripture. I want you to see them. I hope you have your Bible because I want you to to mark them and I want you to read them so that you can follow along and understand. The first one is in Philippians chapter 4. Now this is going to be familiar because we just finished the series on, on Philippians. But as I thought about it, I couldn't think of a better passage. Now, there's two verses there on the screen that you see. Let's just start with the word that's highlighted then. That's verse 8. Then... You will experience God's peace that exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, the word then is so important because of what he said in verse 7. He says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Now, again, it's so simple to say, much harder to live. But Paul has given you this very simple three steps. Don't worry about things. Pray about everything and tell God what you need. Don't worry about everything. Pray about everything and tell God what you need. When I looked at that, I thought about it like this. Pray until you stop worrying. Don't stop praying until you stop worrying. Pray until you stop Worrying. And if you start worrying again, begin praying. Don't go any farther. Pray until you stop worrying. And if you stop wor start worrying, continue to pray again. And tell God how you feel. That phrase right there is changing the way that I pray. I really have made a commitment this year that I am going to be more honest and more authentic with God, my words. 
I'm going to tell God how I feel. You say, haven't you always? Nope, I haven't. I've played hide and seek with God at times about my feelings because I was afraid to be real and honest with Him about them. But maybe it's because I'm getting older. Or maybe I've just had enough, but I want God to know I'm ticked off about some things. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm disappointed. We'll talk about that in two weeks. It's okay to say to God, I'm disappointed with what happened here. I've wrestled with some things even in this own week. And I've come to realize that what God wants me to do is come into Him with my feelings and then leave without them. And prayer becomes that vehicle. Here's the second passage. It's the story in Mark chapter 4. Such a familiar passage. In Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35, it says this. On the same day when evening had come, He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat the boat, so that it was already filling it, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly saying to one another, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now here's what I've discovered, what I'm trying to tell you this morning. That peace and stillness are two separate experiences. I never noticed it until someone pointed out to me the other day. If you look at the screen, it said, Peace, be still. There's a comma. The punctuation between the two separates the two thoughts. I used to think it was one phrase, Peace, be still. No, it's not. It's peace, be still. Peace and stillness are two separate experiences. And so could it be that Jesus has already declared peace in your life. But we refuse to be still in it. Instead we rush around in our frenetic way of life management. We're like the man who wants his car repaired but he wants you to repair it while he's driving it. Fix it while I'm going down the road. God doesn't work that way. God says, peace, sit still. Jesus spoke peace. And then he commanded, be still. Now before I say another word, I want to say to everybody who's listening to me, I don't have any moral authority to preach at you about this. Because I'm still struggling in my own life to understand that. The difference but just accepting that Jesus spoke peace. And then commanded us to be still. Psalms 46 and 10. 
the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Exodus 14 and 13. Moses stood there with the children of Israel at the Red Sea as the Egyptians were chasing them. And he said, stand still and see the salvation of God. There are some places of peace that will never come in your life until you sit still. Until you practice stillness. day or two ago I was sitting in front of my computer waiting for people to join for the noonday prayer and I was reading again 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 very briefly it's the story of King Jehoshaphat and how the armies of, of, of Moab and Mount Seir and Ammon were coming against the children of Israel and he had gotten word that they were about to be overrun by the enemies he gathered the people of God together in Jerusalem and declared a fast and stood before God and said, God, we don't know what we're going to do here. We don't know how we're going to attack these enemies. They're going to come against us. And he prayed over that and a prophet of God stood up and said, this is what God says. Be still. and Go out and find your enemy tomorrow. They're going to be in such and such place. But you won't have to fight the battle. Still, I'm telling you something happened on the inside of me as I listened to what he said. He said, stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow. For the Lord is with you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. That peace and stillness are two separate experiences. You can't have peace if you can't be still. You have to learn how to be still and allow God's peace to settle over you. So what does stillness look like? I don't know what it looks like for you, but for me, maybe sometimes we need to intentionally turn off all the noise. Maybe the television doesn't play for a day. Maybe it means shutting down the cell phone and putting it in the drawer. What about maybe it means you have to remove yourself from some toxic relationship. The reality is there are some people that are not good for my peace. Maybe it means don't take on anymore. Don't keep loading up your wagon with more stuff that you have to do. But whatever it requires, my call to you today is for us as a people to choose to be still and let God fight for us. Several days ago, I felt like God said to me, I'm not going to fight for you if you're going to do all the fighting. If you want me to fight, you have to sit still. Stop fighting. Stop trying to wage your own war. Let him do the fighting. Stand still and see the victory of God. So let me close. I want you to ask yourself this question. It'll be on the screen for me. 
Where are the distractions in your mind and your head that are keeping you from peace? And I wouldn't ask this question if I hadn't thought about it a long time. I've been thinking about this for weeks. The distractions that are in our mind and our head that are keeping us from peace. This may not be an exhaustive list. It may not even work for you. But here it is. Maybe, maybe for you it's an unhealthy perspective of your relationship to God. Maybe you just cannot seem to fully accept that He is all in for you. That's what it was for me years ago when I was struggling with anxiety and, and, and a spirit of depression. It was I, I came to understand that I just did not trust that God really loved me. That He was all in on my behalf. Maybe that unhealthy perspective that you have about God is keeping you from peace. What about this? Maybe you've spent so much time in fear and anxiety that you don't even know how to be at peace anymore. Or at least you think so. It's like a coat that you've worn so long you don't even know how to go out without it on. You've lived in fear and anxiety and uneasiness so long that you don't even know how to exist or be yourself or whoever that is without fear. What about this? Maybe it's a deep hurt, a painful memory, a past experience that's blocking your ability to break free from the hopelessness and emptiness that you feel. I want so much for you to understand that I'm not making light nor minimizing the struggle that you're in. But I am saying that God doesn't want you to live that way anymore. If you're sitting in your living room right now, if you're at your house or you're watching me on a mobile device, I'm telling you by the Spirit, God doesn't want you living that way anymore. He doesn't want you bound up in your fears and your anxieties. There's a story in 2 Kings that I want to close with and then we're going to have a song. The story of Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 17 is a powerful example of what I'm trying to say. So here's a man who stood on a mountain and he called down fire from heaven and killed 450 satanic prophets think about that he called fire down from heaven and he slew 450 of prophets of Baal and then he got spooked by one woman who threatened his life you know what he did he ran away he left his ministry team and he ran away and he eventually found himself in a cave, hiding, afraid and fearful. Why was Elijah in this state? Number one, he was tired. 
Remember last week we talked about the fact that sometimes you just underestimate how tired you actually are. He was weary and because he was weary, he was susceptible. You are always more susceptible on the backside of your biggest moments. He got in this condition because he started believing things that were not true. That's a whole message for later. And he got there because he stopped doing what God had called him and told him he was supposed to do. And so in the mouth of the cave, he heard a still, small voice from God whispering to say, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now listen. I'm not trying to make it more dramatic than it is. But that's the question God's asking you. That wasn't a question because God didn't know where he was. God was saying, how did you get here? How did you find yourself in this cave? Some of you listening to me this morning, some of you need to ask yourself, how did I get here? What's going on in my head? What's going on in my mind that's causing me to be here? Afraid to live, afraid to fall, afraid to be who God has called me to be. Maybe you need to hear that still small voice this morning. Why are you here? Here's what he said. I want the singers to get ready, please. First Kings chapter 19, he says, this was Elijah. He replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with me. With you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Hardly any of that was true. Except that Elijah had fought zealously for the Lord. God would go on to tell him that 7,000 have not bowed their knee to Baal. And that his unrest, his anxiety, his unsettledness was because he got off track. I've thought about this. It's not original with me, but it works. And I'm offering it to you today. It goes like this. Stillness is a choice. Prayer is a gift. Peace is a promise. Stillness is a choice. Prayer is a gift. Peace is a promise. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. 
We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.